chapter forty six of st george and st michael volume three this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. st george and st michael volume three by george macdonald chapter forty six gifts of healing soon after the king's departure the marquis received from him a letter containing another addressed to our attorney or solicitor-general for the time being in which he commanded the preparation of a bill for his majesty's signature creating the marquis of worcester duke of somerset the enclosing letter required however that it should be kept private until i shall esteem the time convenient in the next year we have causes enough for the fact that the king's pleasure never reached any attorney or solicitor-general for the time being about a month after the battle of naseby and while yet the king was going and coming as regards raglan the wounded roland long before he was fit to be moved from the farmhouse where his servant had found him shelter was brought home to the castle shaft toe faithful as hare-brained had come upon him almost accidentally after long search and just in time to save his life mistress watson received him with tears and had him carried to the same turret chamber whence richard had escaped in order that she might be nigh him the poor fellow was but a shadow of his former self and looked more likely to vanish than to die in the ordinary way hence he required constant attention which was so far from lacking that the danger both physical and spiritual seemed rather to lie in over surface hitherto of the family it had been the marquis chiefly that spoiled him but now he was so sorely wounded for the king and lay at death's door all the ladies of the castle were admiring pitiful tender ministrant paying him such attentions as nobody could be trusted to bear uninjured except a doll or a baby one might have been tempted to say that they sought his physical welfare at the risk of his moral ruin but there is that in sickness which leads men back to a kind of babyhood and while it lasts there is comparatively little danger it is with returning health that the peril comes then self and self-fancied worth awake and find themselves again and the risk is then great indeed that all the ministrations of love be taken for homage at the altar of importance how often has not a mistress found that after nursing a servant through an illness perhaps an old servant even she has had to part with her for unendurable arrogance and insubordination but present sickness is a wonderful antidote to vanity and nourisher of the gentle primeval simplicities of human nature so long as man feels himself a poor creature not only physically unable but without the spirit to desire to act kindness will move gratitude and not vanity in roland's case happily it lasted until something better was able to get up its head a little but no one can predict what the first result of suffering will be not knowing what seeds lie nearest the surface roland's self-satisfaction had been a hard pan beneath which lay thousands of germinal possibilities invaluable and now the result of its tearing up remained to be seen 
if in such case truth's never-ceasing pull at the heart begins to be felt aloud considered if conscience begin like a thing weary with very sleep to rouse itself in motions of pain from the stiffness of its repose then is there hope of the best he had lost much blood having lain a long time as i say in the fallow field before shafto found him oft recurring fever extreme depression an intermittent and doubtful progress lifewards followed through all the commotion of the king's visits the coming and going the clang of hoofs and clanking of armour the heaving of hearts and clamour of tongues he lay lapped in ignorance and ministration hidden from the world and deaf to the gnawing of its wheels prisoned in a twilight dungeon to which richard's sword had been the key the world went grinding on and on much the same without him whom it had forgotten but the overworld remembered him and now and then looked in at a window all dungeons have one window which no jailer and no tyrant can build up the marquis went often to see him full of pity for the gay youth thus brought low but he would lie pale and listless now and then turning his eyes worn large with the wasting of his face upon him but looking as if he only half heard him his master grew sad about him the next time his majesty came he asked him if he remembered the youth telling him how he had lain wounded ever since the battle of naseby the king remembered him well enough but never missed him the marquis then told him how anxious he was about him for that nothing woke him from the weary heartlessness into which he had fallen i will pay him a visit said the king sir it is what i would have requested had i not feared to pain your majesty returned the marquis i will go at once said the king when roland saw him his face flushed the tears rose in his eyes he kissed the hand the king held out to him and said feebly pardon sire if i had rode better the battle might have been yours i reached not the prince it is the will of god said the king remembering for the first time that he had sent him to rupert thou didst thy best and man can do no more nay sire but an i had ridden honestly returned roland i mean had my mare been honestly come by then i had done your majesty's message how is that asked the king ha said the marquis then it was heywood met thee and would have his own again told i not thee so ah uh, that mare roland that mare but roland had to summon all his strength to keep from fainting for the blood had fled again to his heart and could not reply thou didst thy duty like a brave knight and true i doubt not said the king kindly wishful to comfort him and that my word may be a true one he added drawing his sword and laying it across the youth's chest although i cannot tell thee to rise and walk i tell thee when thou dost arise to rise up sir roland scudamore the blood rushed to sir roland's face but fled again as fast i deserve no such honour sire he murmured but the marquis struck his hands together with pleasure and cried there my boy there is a king to serve sir roland scudamore 
there is for thee and thy wife will be my lady think on that roland did think on it but bitterly he summoned strength to thank his majesty but failed to find anything courtier-like to add to the bare thanks when his visitors left him he sighed sorely and said to himself honour without desert but for the roundhead's taunts i might have run to rupert and saved the day the next morning the marquis went again to see him how fares sir roland he said my lord returned scudamore in beseeching tone break not my heart with honour unmerited how darest thou boy set thy judgment against the king's cried the marquis sir roland thou art and sir roland will the archangel cry when he calls thee from thy last sleep to my endless disgrace added scudamore what hast not done thy duty i tried but i failed my lord the best as often fail as the worst rejoined his lordship i mean not merely that i failed of the end that alas i did but i mean that it was my own fault that i failed said roland then he told the marquis all the story of his encounter with richard ending with the words and now my lord i care no more for life stuff and nonsense exclaimed the marquis thinkest thou the roundhead would have let thee run to rupert it was not to that end he spared thy life thy only chance was to fight him does your lordship think so indeed asked roland with a glimmer of eagerness on my soul i do thou art weak-headed from thy sickness and weariness you comfort me my lord a little but the stolen mare my lord ah there indeed i can say nothing that was not well done and evil came thereof but comfort thyself that the evil is come and gone and think not that such chances are left to determine great events naseby fight had been lost spite of a hundred messages to rupert not care for life boy leave that to old men like me thou must care for it for thou hast many years before thee but nothing to fill them with my lord what meanest thou there roland the king's cause will yet prosper and pardon me my lord i spoke not of the king's majesty or his affairs hardly do i care even for them it is a nameless weight or rather emptiness that oppresseth me wherefore is there such a world i ask and why are men born thereinto why should i live on and labour on therein is it not all vanity and vexation of spirit i would the roundhead had but struck a little deeper and reached my heart i admire at thee roland truly my gout causeth me so great grief that i have much ado to keep my unruly member within bounds but i never yet was aweary of my life and scarce know what i should say to thee a pause followed the marquis did not think what a huge difference there is between having too much blood in the feet and too little in the brain i pray sir can you tell me if mistress dorothy knoweth it was before heywood i fell said roland at length i know not but methinks had she known 
i should sooner have heard the thing myself who indeed should tell her for shafto knew it not and why should she conceal it i cannot tell my lord she is not like other ladies she is like all good ladies in this that she speaketh the truth why then not ask her i have had no opportunity my lord i have not seen her since i left to join the army tut tut said his lordship and frowned a little i thought not the damsel had been over nice she might well have favoured a wounded knight with a visit she is not to blame it is my own fault sighed roland the marquis looked at him for a moment pitifully but made no answer and presently took his leave he went straight to dorothy and expostulated with her she answered him no farther or otherwise than was simply duteous but went at once to see scudamore mistress watson was in the room when she entered but left it immediately she had never been in spirit reconciled to dorothy their relation had in it too much of latent rebuke for her so dorothy found herself alone with her cousin he was but the ghost of the gay self-satisfied good-natured jolly roland pale and thin withdrawn face and great eyes he held out a wasted hand to dorothy and looked at her not pitifully but despairingly he was one of those from whom take health and animal spirits and they feel to themselves as if they had nothing nor have they in themselves anything with those he could have borne what are called hardships fairly well those gone his soul sat aghast in an empty house my poor cousin said dorothy touched with profound compassion at sight of his lost look but he only gazed at her and said nothing she took the hand he did not offer and held it kindly in hers he burst into tears and she gently laid it again on the coverlid i know you despise me dorothy he sobbed and you are right i despise myself you have been a good soldier to the king roland said dorothy and he has acknowledged it fitly i care nothing for king or kingdom dorothy nothing is worth caring for do not mistake me i am not going to talk presumptuously i love not thee now dorothy i never did love thee and thou dost right to despise me for i am unworthy i would i were dead even the king's majesty hath been no whit the better for me but rather the worse for another man one i mean who was not mounted on a stolen mare would have performed his hess unhindered of foregone fault thou didst not think thou wast doing wrong when thou stolest the mare said dorothy seeking to comfort him how knowest thou that dorothy there was a spot in my heart that felt ashamed all the time he that is sorry is already pardoned i think cousin then what thou hast done evil is gone and forgotten nay dorothy but if it were forgotten yet would it be if i forgot it myself yet would i not cease to be the man who had done it and thou knowest dorothy in how many things i have been false so false that i counted myself honourable all the time tell me wherefore should i not kill myself and rid the world of me what withholdeth 
that thou art of consequence to him that made thee how can that be when i know myself worthless will he be mistaken in me no truly but he may have regard to that thou shalt yet be for surely he sent thee here to do some fitting work for him more talk followed but dorothy did not seem to herself to find the right thing to say and retired to the top of the tower with a sense of failure and oppressed with helpless compassion for the poor youth the doctors of divinity and of medicine differed concerning the cause of his sad condition the doctor of medicine said it arose entirely from a check in the circulation of the animal spirits the doctor of divinity thought but did not say only hinted that it came of a troubled conscience and that he would have been well long ago but for certain sins known only to himself that bore heavy upon his life this gave the marquis a good ground of argument for confession the weight of which argument was by the divine felt and acknowledged but both doctors were right and both were wrong could his health have been at once restored a great reaction would have ensued his interest in life would have reawakened and most probably he would have become indifferent to that which now oppressed him but on the slightest weariness or disappointment the same overpowering sense of desolation would have returned and indeed at times amidst the warmest glow of health and keenest consciousness of pleasure on the other hand if by any argument addressed to his moral or religious nature his mind could have been a little eased his physical nature would most likely have at once responded in improvement but he had no individual actions of such heavy guilt as the divine presumed to repent of nor could any amount or degree of sorrow for the past have sufficed to restore him to peace and health it was a poet of the time who wrote the soul's dark cottage battered and decayed lets in new light through chinks that time has made sickness had done the same thing as time with roland and he saw the misery of his hovel the cure was a deeper and harder matter than dr bailey yet understood or than probably roland himself would for years attain to while yet the least glimmer of its approach would be enough to initiate physical recovery End of chapter forty six